Hey everyone, welcome to the World Lad Podcast, brought to you by Fortune Favors Beer. I'm James Marshall, and today I'm joined by one of the greats. He's been playing the game professionally for the past 15 years. He's done it all. He's played for Canterbury, the Crusaders, Highlanders, Chiefs, the New Zealand Maldives, the All Blacks, before spending 10 years in Japan with NTT Shining Arcs. And now he's back in New Zealand with the Tasman Marco. It is the man himself. Isaac Ross, welcome, Jonty. Thanks for coming on, brother. It's awesome to be here. When you put it like that, shit. <laughs> I've been around a while, eh? You've had some career, eh? Yeah, it's been good. I mean, like we've been pretty fortunate in uh, in the length of career that we've had, and um, you know, pretty got some uh, interesting adventures along the way. So yeah, can't complain. So what's got you to Tasman? Uh, so we've uh, we've finished our stint over in Japan. So we did ten years over there, and you know, it's a bit of a transition sort of a period. Obviously, it's a bit of a Different year for, for everybody, so we'd finish in Japan in the middle of the year and we're sort of moving on to the next uh, stage of life, um, early next year off to America, but you know, this Tasman opportunity came up and you know, just took it with both hands, it's been awesome. And how have you found it? Really good, um, I haven't been back to New Zealand for, for, for a fair while, um, well, nearly two years sort of thing, so it's nice to come back, even though it's obviously not the hometown, it's you know, the sun on the back in Nelson, it feels feels just like home and, you know, the community's been really, really receptive and everyone's been really welcoming, so it's been great. Including our good mate, John T. Including our good mate, John T. So, yeah, he was uh, in my life basically in the first 24 hours since the touchdown in Nelson and yeah, obviously people who are listening to this podcast had, had heard the prank and, you know, I was, like I said, it was a hook, line and sinker and the fishing rod uh, that I... That I got taken for a ride, so it's uh, it's been it's been fantastic having Johnson in my life. Actually, he's brought nothing but smiles to my face. Oh, that's classic, man! I was cracking. Up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were so not keen to go around for a movie, were you? But you're such a good guy. You were just you didn't want to tell him. No, this is true. You know, like when I got the message and it was like, "Hey, it's Johnny here. I'm one of the sponsors of the Tasman Marco," and then. You know, if he said fan, you know, I would have like played the game. But as soon as he said sponsor, I was like, you know what, well, I've been out of the game for so long and been <laughs> in Japan and you know, come back to New Zealand. I've got to do the right thing. And you know, sponsorship's a big thing for obviously the for the provincial unions and whatnot. So I can't disappoint. Yeah. Especially if I was just touched down and then you know the conversations just started rolling and it seemed really good. <laughs> and then he started talking about a new <laughs> home entertainment system in his bedroom. That was the first red flag. <laughs> And then I was just like, oh, yeah, 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 sweet. And then I was like, oh, no, I don't really watch a lot of movies. I've got the kids pick it. And then you said, I've got a lot of range of adult films that if you'd like to watch. And I was just like, if I just, like, misheard that or got lost in translation. So, again, Japan sort of thing. I was like, you know, just, just try to play the play the gentleman card and yeah. and be really pretty professional about it. But, uh, you know, I got found out pretty, pretty quick. And, um, yeah, the rest is history. It's been great. Did your service genuinely cut out? The service generally cut out, oh, you know, yeah. the place I've got, uh, I live out at um, Richmond there, so um, the Wi-Fi, thankfully, <laughs> I'd probably still be on the phone to be fair, and um, thankfully cut out, and uh, we sort of exchanged a couple of messages um, that we'll catch up another time, Yeah. and then uh, Kieran Fonatia told me about, hey, watch out for Jimmy Ma, he goes by the name Jonty on his podcast, and I, as soon as I heard that... I had this stone look on my face and I was like, you're joking, I have just been taken for a ride. And he's like, you idiot. <laughs> but it's all in good fun, it's like, yeah, like, like I'm pretty... Uh, yeah, you handled cool it like to, a champ, mate. Pretty cool to get, um, get amongst the lads pretty early and, you know, showing a bit of vulnerability, but <laughs> a bit of humour at the same time. That's it. And you're, you're maybe planning on doing some in your teams going forward. Absolutely, you know, that's... Uh, it's something that I've sort of missed in Japan. You know, it's been quite a quite a serious sort of time. Not a serious time, but like you know, it's, it's been focused on a lot of rugby and yeah. just, just rugby. When you get into Japan, it's like company owned team, so it's it's not a lot of that friendly banter because a lot of obviously ninety percent of the team is Japanese. Yeah. And when you do that sort of style of things, you know, they take it quite literal. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, it's a, it's something that we're definitely looking taking forward, not only with rugby but in life in general. So <laughs> it's uh, it's great. Oh, that's it's a classic. great concept. That's good stuff. So anyway, let's go back to the start for you, um, born in Ashburton. What was it like for you growing up? Um, yeah, pretty simple sort of a life, sort of an upbringing. I was um, born in uh, born in Ashburton, uh, just sort of 10Ks inland, so bought on the farm. Yeah. Um, and uh, Dad, obviously, he uh, they run a, 
a bulk in cartage and storage transport company out there sort of servicing the community. So it's just basically just involved with, with trucks and, and grain and storage and all that sort of stuff growing up and um, just going down to the local community school just down the road. So it was a very simple sort of life growing up. Um, but uh, obviously with, you know, mum and dad, you know, they were obviously playing uh, rugby for New Zealand. All black up. and black fern, weren't All they? black and black fern. So that Great was, genes. Uh, yeah, very good genes, very blessed. Um, it was... Uh, like when, when we were growing up, sort of in terms of sport, we weren't actually forced to play rugby by yeah. mum and dad, which was which was good in a sense because you know there was a sort of like a bit of an expectation, a little bit of external pressure. We didn't really feel it at the time, but yeah. they felt that, that that could be the case. So we actually played soccer right up until we were about ten years old. Oh, really? Yeah. So a lot of people obviously start their age at maybe about five or six mm. and, and go into the rugby scene. But yeah, I, I didn't I didn't play rugby until sort of uh, later on in um, in my childhood, and then. Uh, so brought up with uh, so I'm one of five siblings, one of yeah. five siblings. So yeah, four boys and one girl. What age do you sit? Uh, so I sit at number four. Number four. Uh, yeah. I sit at number four. So you know it's uh, um, different, different sort of a life growing up. So we were growing up as split family. So uh, they're all we're all five as, as dads, kids, and the last two as, as mums. Oh yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. So um, we sort of grew up in, a, in different households, but you know we all still consider ourselves as. Four brothers and sisters, even though we look a bit different. Yeah, yeah. Um, my mum's mouldy and their mum's not, so oh, it's it's quite funny rocking up to sort of uh, different sort of occasions and events, and they say, "Oh, this is my brother." They're like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> He's like, "Not brother, not brother." <laughs> so it's um, it was a it was a pretty cool um, yeah, like I said, in a print book, pretty simple sort of a childhood growing up in the, in the farm and whatnot, and then um, then we um, moved to high school in, in Timaru. Yeah. And um, did the boarding school life down there. Oh, boarding school. Yeah, so oh, I was five right. years boarder in, in Timaru. Um, it was actually one of the best things to move out of out of Ashburton and, and go down there and um, experience a bit more of a, a town lifestyle and, yeah. and whatnot. And so, so, yeah, it's been pretty good. And when did rugby, when did you see rugby as a pathway? Or uh, So rugby as a pathway was, was not until I left high school, really. Oh, really? So, yeah, it wasn't until I really left high school. So in high school and every other buddy... Kiwi kid, or it doesn't matter what kind of like high school was just a place to have fun, yeah. You know, and we just basically just played rugby and first 15. First 15, yeah. so I was 15 until my second to last year of school, but like you know, I really just went to school to you know go there and eat my lunch, and yeah, and that was it, really, yeah, sort of thing. So it didn't really take high school uh, as serious as, as my mum and dad would have probably would have <laughs> thought I should have, um, especially spending all that money going to boarding school and whatnot, but you know, it was uh. Some pretty good things come out of it. Met my wife there, which was yeah, yeah. always a positive. So you know we've been uh, been together since we were fifteen years old. So yeah. you know not many girls been uh, floating around Timaru. So <laughs> got the, the pick of the bunch. One, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and hold on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so um, you know, and we've uh, we've enjoyed uh, the past sort of twenty years together. It's been great. So you didn't finish school. Yeah, so I finished school. Oh, so did. I did the full five years at Timaru oh, Boys yeah, High. Yeah, yeah. Um, did the hostel life for the full time down there. Um, was uh, first of team, second to last year, and then my my first year of first of team was the first year of the press cup, which is oh, the yeah, UC yeah. championship now. So yeah. we played in the the older inaugural year there. Yeah, um, and probably we thought our first of team was probably better than we thought it was, <laughs> but you know, look at our thing. It's like man, we only got three wins <laughs> out of twelve games, but we thought we were world beaters. <laughs> Definitely off the field, we were world beaters anyway. So. But um, yeah, then moved to high school, uh, from high school moved into Christchurch and then that was basically when the, the system started to take a hold of me and yeah. you know, I was at, um, you know, for, for school I was in the Southern Regions Secondary Schools oh, team. Oh and, yeah, yeah. Um, and then going through the Canterbury system and academies and whatnot. Yeah. So. Were you always really tall? I, uh, I was always generally tall as a kid. Um, so like I said, when I was playing when I was younger, like I didn't like rugby. Yeah. I didn't really like rugby. Um, uh, it's basically because rugby was played in the mornings and yeah. soccer was played in the afternoons, oh, and I true. was not a massive sleeper. <laughs> Still am. So yeah, it's um, that was always been the sort of uh, system run. Like, okay, I'm I'm having sleep and I'll play soccer. But then yeah, obviously I got bigger, too big for soccer, and the yeah. kids are just whipping around me. And I was like, okay, I've got to change change codes here. So yeah, played rugby, but I only played rugby. Um, it was forcefully too because. Uh, my mother made me play. Oh, true. Yeah, so she was just like, can you please play rugby? And I was like, no, there's no way I'm playing rugby. She goes, okay, if I'm the coach, will you play rugby? And I was like, yep, but I'm only going to play 
if I'm first five and I get to kick the goals. <laughs> and she's like, okay, done. So, yeah, my first year I played first five and, and kicked the goals. <laughs> How'd you go? I went really well, actually, Because yeah. I had, like, a naturally big boot from soccer. Yeah. I just used to basically sit in the backfield and just wait for the ball to come to me and kick yeah. it down the other end for oh, the kids to, stri- to score and strike. So, and goal-kicking-wise? Yeah. And goal-kicking-wise, oh, I'd say I probably had a really high percentage, but <laughs> everyone's just like, can you get that big, tall, lanky guy out of here, please, and get somebody who can actually kick? Yeah. So that was basically my my introduction to, to rugby. And I think a lot of people obviously see my father as, as the influence of my rugby career, but yeah. it was... Um, it was mainly my mother that had the biggest influence on my actual rugby influence. True. And um, like my, da- my dad's taller than me sort of thing, so yeah. um, obviously get my height and my aerial skills from him, but yeah. you know, my mum played fullback for the Black Fern sort of thing, so yeah. my willingness to always want to run the ball and always want to kick and pass and all yeah, that sort yeah, of stuff yeah. came from her. So instead of you know doing our homework, <laughs> we were out on the back lawn and you know doing... Miss double rounds and dummy cuts and <laughs> with my other little brother and we were making up various back moves and yeah. stuff like that when we probably should have just been doing other things. <laughs> but no, it's been good. It was, it was awesome raising childhood growing up and, you know, pretty blessed. That's cool. And then into the Canterbury setup, um, going into the ITM Cup team, how was that for you? Yeah, so um, first year out of high school, um, I went into the Canterbury system and got picked up quite early. I made the Canterbury, uh, the New Zealand under-19 team. Oh, yeah. So I made the New Zealand under-19 team before I made the Canterbury 19 team. Oh, true. Yeah, so that was, that just worked out with the, with the calendar year and stuff like that. So made that team and it's uh, basically just got pulled into the Canterbury system from there and you know, played for my club rugby team in, in, uh, in Christchurch for New Brighton. And, and um, yeah, it's just sort of just everything sort of just flowed in from there. I actually didn't go up to Christchurch to play rugby. I, I actually went, after high school, I went into um, Christchurch Polytechnic. Oh, real? Yeah, yeah, because I didn't actually achieve a lot at high school. I had to do <laughs> some bridge courses to actually get into a career. What um, were you going to... So I actually, my, my, my goal was to be a teacher, but oh, I was yeah. to be a Māori teacher. Oh, okay. Yeah, so even at, in, my second, in my last year of high school, I was actually doing... A little bit of uh, early childhood learning. Oh yeah, yeah, which is strange for a big, tall rugby yeah. dude, you know, that was doing. Those Could you things. speak Maori? Yeah, fluently. Not as no. fluent as my Japanese, and yeah. obviously not now. Um, I haven't been able to practice it for a long time, but I still have the confidence and ability to, to understand what's going on, yeah, and yeah. obviously the you know the cultural environment that's, uh, that's, that's required cool. and, and the necessities for that sort of stuff. So that was my first couple of years in Christchurch, and then uh, so I did a diploma in Maori studies there. Aiming to become a, go into the teaching college and go yeah. down that road, um, but basically in my third year of, of learning at um, CPIT, I the the rugby system basically took, took over, over and yeah. you know I was trying to do it for a start and and like learning the language and going to training it was just Tough. for a person that is not very <laughs> <laughs> like uh, <laughs> educationally savvy <laughs> if that's even a, a, way, a form of putting it, but um, yeah I just basically just went oh look. Language and, and all that sort of stuff is always going to be there. Yeah. You know, but you know, I can't play rugby forever. So, yeah. Made the commitment to. Well, you, you can almost. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> still going. Someone think. <laughs> so, yeah, the elixir of youth. So, <laughs> so what was it like stuff. being named in the ITM Cup team for the first time? And would have been a pretty. Yeah, so it was real weird because it was my first year was actually 2006 officially, but my first official year was um, in 2005. So, I actually got. Named in the team, but named as cover. Oh, okay. So not You were training with them. Yeah, but like, we, I did all the pre-season stuff before that and then sort of got named, the official squad that got named, and then these guys, okay, these guys are sort of named as cover. So I was like, am I in the team or am I not in the team? Yeah. But so being as young and sort of naive as I was, I sort of didn't ask anybody. And yeah. then I just, just, okay, I'm not in the team. So <laughs> I'll just go about my life. And then yeah. all of a sudden, I lived across the road from, from Rugby Park oh, and Christchurch. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the uh, the academy flats there, and I was sort of just sitting in bed, and then I got this bag at the door, and I was just like, looked outside, and it's the Canterbury rugby manager. He's like, oh, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah. Get to training, and I was like, but I'm not on the team. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yes, yeah, hurry up and get across. So that was my first sort of wake up call. Okay, you know, you're in the into, team. You're in the team, and it's and weird. No one made that obvious to you. No, sort of sort of thing. So that was a bit scary, and uh, sort of just. 
sort of in my first exposure of, of professionalism and, and stuff yeah. like that, just you know, don't be afraid to, to ask and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So if in doubt, ask. Yeah. You know, there's no such thing as silly questions yeah, and, and yeah. things like that. So, And it would have been a bit more of an old school... Rugby was a bit more old school back yeah, then, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it so was. What I mean, was that like? Oh, it's, it was quite daunting, to be fair. Yeah. You know, like a lot of the guys that you sort of grow up watching and, you know, these people do it now. Like, I'm in the Tasman team at the moment and, you know, you guys got, you know, like, um, like Mitch Hunt and Alex Nankovall, you know, these guys played 50-odd games. Yeah. You know, but they're only sort of like 24, 25 yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I was playing with getting into the team and guys are like, you know, like the Greek Feeks and the Greek Summervals, you know, these guys are like early 30s and stuff like that. So it's like quite... Quite daunting to go into into an older older sort of system at the at the time, and you know you sort of just try and feel your way and keep your nose clean and try and do as you're told and whatnot. Whereas yeah. the environments these days, you know, you, you know, you've got the ability encourage and encouragement to to speak your mind yeah, and, yeah. and challenge you know things that you want to you know to be changed and whatnot. So whereas back when I was sort of playing, it seems so like back when I was playing yeah, sort of thing, yeah, yeah. but it, it's not actually that long ago, but, you know, it's... it's um, it was quite long ago. <laughs> yeah, it was quite long ago. When you, when you were 15 years even playing, I was like, what? Where did that time go? But, um, yeah, it's been it's been cool, man, like, and it, to see the evolution of, of the game now yeah. to, to where it was. And, and even back then, it was such a cool environment still to be in. Yeah. And it was still quite a buzz. And, um, you know, even it's got the pros and cons about things. And, yeah. You know, it's been great. And going into the Crusaders, how was that? That was probably worse because, like, with um, with the Canterbury team, it's like, in the Canterbury team, there's basically not a lot of the All Blacks that are in there. It's yeah. sort of the old All Blacks. So my captain from the first Canterbury team was Reuben Thorne. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I learned a lot from him. Corey Flynn as well. Yeah. Um, those types of guys. Um, but then, obviously, the big dogs like the Carters and the McCaws and all those other guys um, were with the All Blacks. So oh, it wasn't yeah, yeah, as, yeah, yeah. as daunting um, coming into the Canterbury team. So that was all good. And then when you get into the name into the... Uh, the Super Rugby squads. Um, I actually nearly didn't go into the Super Rugby. I was sort of had the opportunity to come to Japan really early. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I go. Um, I went into Robbie Dean's. I was like, oh look, I've got the opportunity to go to Japan. And um, was that something you always wanted to do? I sort of, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Obviously, yeah, yeah. You know, I was only like twenty two at the time, sort yeah. of thing. And I was like, you know, I don't know if I'll ever make it professionally. Like, there's a lot of good guys on the on the market at the moment. On you know, I wouldn't mind going and looking, having a look overseas. Yeah. And he goes, there's no way that you're going overseas at the moment. You know, you, you've got a potential sort of a kid, and if you if you stay, I'll make you a crusader. Yeah. And I was just like, well, I'm staying. <laughs> you know, since you put it that way, sort of thing. So, but you still had to obviously earn your stripes and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. first year in, in uh, Super Rugby, I was in, uh, in the Crusaders, and and that was um, with Robbie Deans as well. So, you know, that was a pretty special time um, for me and the family and all that sort of stuff. So, and it was a pretty big learning sort of a curve because you know with not only just the rugby side of things but the professional sides mm. of things the travel sides of things so you know it all started to to sort of uh, unfold in front of you and I was like shit this is a pretty pretty good life and pretty fortunate with uh, with rugby and, yeah. and where it could take you how were the guys going into that environment nice or not uh, yeah it was it wasn't it wasn't too bad I mean because we had quite a an influx of, of younger guys as well going into oh, the okay. team so that was like the likes of um like uh, the Kieran Reeds, oh, that yeah, was that yeah, sort yeah, of era. Yeah, yeah. So we were sort of coming in through the grades together. Um, so it was still, so we still had a quite of um, quite a tight sort of a group that came in as well, and and we just sort of felt our feet in, along the way, and just like I said, kept their nose clean and did what we were told yeah. and and whatnot. So. And then the following year, you were put to the draft. Is that right? Yeah. So the following year, because I was I was basically picked as the fourth lock. Yeah. In the Crusaders in 07. and then we carried on into Canterbury for the 07, and then the following year. Um, Robbie Deans' last year. Um, Ali Williams had um, not problems, up, I don't know what the official thing was, yeah. but he um, made the acknowledgement that he wanted to come down to the Crusaders. So that was basically my exit point. So yeah. being the fourth lock, you know, had to make room for Ali to come in. Oh, so yeah. Deans basically just told me, he goes, hey, look, you know, this is this is the situation and, and this is what's going to happen. And, you know, um, we're going to put you in the draft. So, so how did the draft work? So the draft was real weird, bro. I mean, it's obviously a bit different to what it is now. I don't really know what it is now, but it's a lot different to, to back then. And he, so Deansy goes to me because he's obviously won a few titles and yeah. you know, quite a prestigious sort of super coach. And he goes, you know what, you know, we're going to put you in the uh, into the draft. And, you know, I've got a bit of pull when it comes to the draft. So if you've got any <laughs> preferences, preferences of uh, places that you wanted to go. And I was just like, as soon as it got into my head, I was just like, 
well, I want to go to Wellington because at the time, you know, after Good school, choice. me and my choice, uh, me and my wife, obviously, were at school. Yeah. And then after school, she went to Wellington. Oh, I yeah, went to yeah, Christchurch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so she was studying up in Victoria University at the time, and I was just like, "Well, it's a no-brainer. I'll just, I want to go up to Wellington for the Hurricanes." Yeah. And obviously, the Hurricanes was a pretty, pretty good outfit at the time. And he goes, "Don't worry, leave it with me, mate." <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, the Hurricanes is my first. Then I wanted to go to the Chiefs and then the Blues. My last choice would be." The Highlanders, because being from Canterbury and Otago, it's quite a rival sort yeah, of a, yeah. the thing. I was like, I don't want to go to, I don't want to go to the Highlanders. And um, he said, leave it with me, mate. I was already out. And then the following week, he goes, congratulations, mate, you're in the Highlanders. <laughs> and I was like, did we just not have this conversation? Or we were on a different phone call? But um, it actually turned out to be probably one of the best decisions um, yeah. going down there. Um, like I said, my wife, uh, we were at the Crusaders at that thing, and then, my wife actually moved um, at the end of 2007 down to Christchurch with me. Yeah. And um, then obviously went into the Highlander system. So it was it was better to travel between Christchurch and Dunedin versus it would have been from Dunedin to Wellington or yeah, yeah, vice yeah. versa or whatever like that. So it was actually a better decision to go to Dunedin for, for the time. And it was, at the time, was, um, there's a lot of the guys that are, that are still in there in, the, in their 2008 Highlanders team that it was basically the replacements. Like it was like yeah. every player that, other super teams didn't want <laughs> they went down to the Highlanders so we were basically sort of referred to as the replacements that, you know that movie that yeah, Keanu yeah, Reeves yeah, that, yeah. that nobody wants it it's quite cool but in a sense it was quite cool so we're all on the same sort of level you know how you go into the Crusaders yeah, it's quite yeah. daunting yeah. all the All Blacks are the there dogs. half the teams um, from the All Blacks and stuff like that when you go down to the Highlanders everyone's on the same level playing field and yeah you know, it was not not just on the field, but off the field was, was yeah. awesome. How'd you guys um, go on the field? We went really shit. <laughs> 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 yeah, so we um we were at like the first six games, we were zero and six, and um, <laughs> the replacements. <laughs> yeah, so we're really living up to our name. <laughs> but it was like, but we were saving an awesome time on the field. You know, we um, but it was great. It was for like. We sort of not the expectations of that, but you know, we were sort of like, you know, we're just doing what we can and yeah. and stuff like that. And we had a we had a pretty good uh, pretty good team and a pretty good management system. But you know, the results weren't going that way. Yeah. But and then we finally, when we won our first game against the Lions in Dunedin, which at the time the Lions were rubbish, it was like, <laughs> and we only just beat them as well. We thought we were like, oh, we've done it, we've cracked it. This is it. And then we mean, I think we were another four game losing streak <laughs> after that. But but um, yeah, like I said, like. Going down there made you know some of the best mates that I have today as well. So yeah, and respect and you know Dunedin also holds a bit of a special place in our hearts. So yeah, pretty um pretty southern men coming yeah. from both uh, both franchises. That's down cool. There. And then the following year you were back to the Crusaders. Yeah. So the following year, uh, so that two thousand and eight season, and then the following uh, following on from that was uh, the New Zealand Cup. Oh yeah, for, yeah, uh, yeah. With Canterbury and. We had I had a really good year with that, and the team had a really good year. That was the start of basically the, the dynasty of Canterbury. Yeah, we, we beat um we beat Wellington in the final. Oh um, yeah, not yeah. many people know remember the final, but we won like seven six in the rain yeah. against the Wellington team that was star studded. Um, but anyway, so we had a really good ta- really good year with that year with uh with Canterbury, and then flying on from that the 08 season made back into the Crusaders. Ali Williams went back up to Auckland. Oh yeah, came back into uh. Into the Crusaders system that was Toddy Blackadder's first year. Oh, okay. Um, and then obviously, obviously it was a clean slate for everybody, sort of thing, because obviously Toddy was first the first year in the system, and then yeah, ended up having a bit of a standout season in two thousand and nine. Yeah. Um, and then flying on from that, made the All Blacks. Made the All Blacks. So yeah, that was a bit of a whirlwind, mm. sort of like an up and down, sort of like okay, you made Canterbury, and then you made the Crusaders, and then you, okay, you break down. Yeah, yeah, a really yeah. good season with Canterbury, and then you went to Crusaders, and then you went to the so Yeah, yeah, it's a sort of yeah, roller coaster a couple of years, but it's um yeah, it's, it's pretty good. What was it like going into that All Black camp and that whole experience of being named as an All Black? Yeah, so so leading up to that was quite a um like an interesting sort of thing, like and the, towards the end of that Super Rugby season, like I knew I was having a really good Super Rugby, like the team was going really well as well, and you know we got into the semis, we lost the semis, and then the against the Bulls but we, it should have been the final because the next week the Bulls played the Chiefs and they got smacked by like 50 <laughs> points <laughs> um, but leading up to uh, towards the end of that Super Rugby season it was like I sort of had a bit of an idea that I could potentially make the All Blacks yeah. um, Had you had feedback or was that just really, a gut feel? It was more of a gut you feeling and, you oh, like, a, like oh, 
<laughs> it was more like from uh, from external guys, like the guys that were in like in the All Blacks at the time. I said, like, "Hey, look, you know, like we've had some indications that oh, you know, yeah. you're on the radar, so you know, keep doing what you're doing and play well." And yeah. you know, it was this and it was like uh, towards the end of the Super Rugby season, like I was, um, we went to South Africa. We had the three weeks in South Africa, and you know, when you go to go to South Africa, you have. Uh, you know, pretty good time and yeah. stuff like that. You know, just not on the not on the field, but you know, you the external things that you have and and whatnot. So and um, usually you have like the two weeks, and you have a, a roommate. The first year, first week you have a one, and then next week you you change your roommates. Yeah. And um, sort of get a different vibe for sort of thing. So I was in uh, obviously South Africa for a couple of weeks. My first week, I didn't know who I was going to be rooming with because I was the young guy just getting the bags out of the bus and worrying yeah. about that sort of thing. And then I'll check my room, okay, that's my room. And I walk into the room and I'm like, oh, who am I with? Who am I with? And I walk in and I was like, oh, I'm with Richie McCall. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, I suppose at the time I was like, oh, okay, I've got to treat this as a, you know, as a special moment. You know, it's, it's a bit of an honour rooming, rooming with, the, with the GOAT. So... <laughs> But um, from that week, you know, I sort of got the in- in- indication from uh, from guys, you know, oh, you know, Richie's been, you know, been told to, to keep an eye on you and see how you go, sort of your preparation and all oh, that sort real. of stuff oh, real. off the field. So I was just like, right, you know, this week I'm going to be, you know, real clean, really, really, you know, diligent on my on my preparation and all yeah. that sort of like good sleep and all that sort of stuff. And and um, so I'll get through that week and then we played and then uh, the following week we went to, to I think it was to Durban. I was like, oh, this is like, yeah, we're going to have a Pretty fun week down in Durban, and I did the same thing. Got the bags off the bus, walked into the room. Who am I with? And I was like, "Oh, it's Richie again." <laughs> <laughs> so I had two weeks in South Africa with um, with, with Rico, and which which in respect, like it was actually quite a good thing for me. You know, I was yeah. um, keep keep this on task and, and whatnot. So uh, was he someone you wouldn't want to room with? Obviously. Oh, obviously, because like. He's seen as like the pinnacle of, yeah. of basically everything, you know. You just couldn't so, relax around him. I, I, yeah, I was scared to fart. You know, I had to go for <laughs> I had to go for for dumps down at the reception. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to use the toilet. <laughs> so, like, couldn't watch anything on TV that I wanted to watch. So I was like, you know what? Because I was I was gonna get my preparation done right. You know, I'm gonna get to bed early. And we start watching TV, and I was like, got him to bed this one night. I got him to bed really early. I was like, oh yeah, sweet. Put on the movie. I was like, oh, the movie at the time was White Chicks. I don't remember <laughs> yeah, White yeah, Chicks. Yeah, it was yeah. like sort of a black comedy, and I was like, not a Richie up. comedy. <laughs> and I was like, it's like on their first ten minutes, and he goes, he gets into the room, he goes, oh, what are you watching? I was like, oh, I'm watching White Chicks. <laughs> and he goes, oh, do you mind if I check if something else is on TV? In my head, I'm just like, uh, no, I'm actually watching this. this is, uh, but I was like, yeah, sure, go for it. Have a browse, see what you like. And he flicked it, and it was like, and he goes, oh. Oh, what's the beer grills? It's like, um, what's it, Man vs. Wild or something? Yeah. Anyway, it's beer grills on the thing. And he's like, oh, mate, do you mind if I watch beer grills? And I'm just like thinking in my head again. I was like, well, actually, I'm sort of halfway through this movie that I'm actually enjoying. But because you're you, I'm going to say yes. But this is like the one and only time. And he goes, okay. So it's only obviously those programs only last for an hour or 40 minutes or something like that. Yeah. And I knew I could catch the end of the movie. <laughs> anyway, he was watching it and then it flicked, finished the thing, and then it flicked onto another Bear Girls thing. He goes, oh, great. This is the marathon of it. And he just sat there and just watched it. I'm just like, just rolled over. I was like, well, this is going to be my week. But, um, but it, in hindsight, it was, it was oh, actually that's really, classic. really cool. And you, you obviously impressed him enough to get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, at the end of the day, you know, we'd say we just just took it as a uh, as a learning experience, and um, you know, even just to just to learn on him and how he prepare, prepared for everything, and you know, how he sort of managed his weeks and all that sort of stuff. It's just like yeah, it's pretty pretty special, and you can see why he did yeah what he did for so long, and you know, it's um it's been. Uh, Enjoyable. Did you ever get to watch White Chicks in the end? <laughs> <laughs> John T's. <laughs> John T's. John T's. That was my movie of choice. My popcorn and wine. There's one week I didn't get to finish. <laughs> it's only been 15 years I've been waiting to watch it. Just scarred. <laughs> oh, let's crack up. And then your All Black debut, how was that? It's a moment that everyone always talks about. Yeah, so um, it ended up being in Dunedin, um, which was which is good for for the family and whatnot so you know that was uh it was actually quite a um a daunting sort of a week really sort of preparing as i actually initially got named on the bench yeah um because it was myself um ali williams and brad thorn with the three locks oh yeah and um so i obviously played a lot of rugby well not a lot of rugby but i had the super season with brad yeah i was really 
we had a really good relationship together and how we sort of worked together and, and complemented each other's game and yeah. whatnot. So um, preparing throughout the week, um, it was going to be Ali Williams and Brad starting and then I was going to come off the bench at some stage. Yeah. You know? But Ali got um, injured early in the week and obviously Ted goes, hey, look, you okay to start? And I was just like... <laughs> but it wasn't so bad because, you know... I, I Who were you I, playing? We were playing France. Oh, yeah. played France. And it wasn't so bad because... You know, I'd already been calling the lineouts um, for for the Crusaders, and yeah. the, the, the calling system is very similar in, in the All Blacks and stuff like that. So it wasn't a big sort of a deal. And obviously, working with Brad as my locking partner it was it was pretty it was pretty cool. And it was a pretty sort of special moment, not for me, but like my family as well. Obviously, yeah. there was a bit of um, sort of like I said that when we were growing up, that external pressure from you know having been you know having a father as an All Black, a mother as a Black Fern, yeah, and now their son as an all black it's it's um it's something that hasn't been achieved before yeah. so when i was growing up in my mind i was like man that would be quite cool i'd be the first baby black ever yeah, yeah, and, yeah. It, and it's still the same like i'm i'm the only one that's uh that's that's happy oh, actually sorry. ever happened as well yeah. so it's a uh, quite a uh, quite a statistic and a milestone we're, we're quite proud of as a family so that was quite special and then how was your uh, All Black career in then? Because how many games did you play for them? Yeah, so um, I ended up playing that uh, the Iveco series, of course, but the, the, the June tests and then, um, uh, so three tests there and then we had the, uh, the rape, it wasn't the rugby championship there, it was the Tri-Nations. Yeah. Tri-Nations back then. So yeah, I played the, just those two two competitions. So started every game, so yeah. had, um, eight games, uh, so eight, eight starting tests and then uh, got dropped for the last uh, last game against Australia. And that was basically my my uh, end of my old black career. Really. What, what was the reason? What was the reasoning behind that? <laughs> Did I you mean, like there's there's, there's 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 uh, obviously different types of stories. Um, obviously in the media and whatnot, and you know internally with the camp and stuff like that. But you know, there was probably parts of my game that you know people weren't really liking. Yeah. Um, um that probably wasn't required of of the international lock and and whatnot. So you know, obviously you know. Um, hitting certain amount of rucks and you know doing this and that physically and all that sort of thing and probably uh, I probably wasn't up to that physical standard you know I was only like 23 24 at the time yeah and, you know, I was just really just still learning my craft and whatnot so um, I think that that was the main feedback you know I had to get to go into the gym bulk up and basically just reassess my game and how I wanted to play things if I wanted to become and be a, sort of a long-standing international lock yeah sort of thing but um, probably in hindsight I probably could have done a bit better but being the young sort of slick not slick kid but like just that young mentality I was just like thinking well I'm just going to play the game that I like to play this is the reason why I play and this is who I am and what I want to do and yeah. you know the reason why you picked me is because this is how I play and yeah. not what you picked me what I can do and what I have done versus oh, what he could do and what he potentially can be become and stuff like that so yeah, yeah. I sort of just um, had a bit of a bit of a slump um, at the end of two thousand and nine. Went back to the Canterbury system, played Canterbury, and that was probably probably the best thing for my my game um, mentally as well. Um, it was quite a um, hard time for me just getting dropped and obviously getting dragged across the coals um, yeah. with the media and stuff like that. But um, having a coach like um, Rob Penny, Rob Penny was very influential for me yeah. uh, in terms of my growth and development. He was the academy. Um, academy Canterbury Rugby Academy manager at the time when I left school and you know he basically just got around me and said hey look you know I like you for you and how you play and if that's how it is you just go and do your thing and, and we'll back you 100% for yeah. that sort of thing so that that got my confidence levels back up that's good um, at the end of 2009 but then 2010 Chris Jack came back to oh, New Zealand yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, Jacko obviously um, forced himself um, back into the Crusaders system and then um, that's when so it was Brad Thorne, um, Chris Jack, and that's when Sam Whitelock came onto the oh, scene yeah. as well. So standout um, season for Sammy Whitelock, and you know he's obviously developed into the player he is today. And, yeah. You know, so that sort of left me as the fourth lock, and you know I was sort of thinking, you know, this is an opportunity that we can um, we can leave New Zealand rugby and 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 experience a different life overseas. And you know we, we had a young family at the time, and you know with my wife as well. So. We decided to uh, at the end of the 2010 season we were we were going to head overseas, but um, I actually had another year on my contract in 2011. Um, and Fozzie at the Chiefs he said to me, he goes, "Hey, look, you know, it's the opportunity for you to come and 
play Super Rugby for us before you go to Japan. Oh, true. So you'd signed with Japan. So I had basically already signed with Japan after the 2010 season okay. um, with Canterbury. Yeah. So 2010 was going to be my last year in New Zealand. Um, but then I really had the opportunity um, to play at the Chiefs because the Japan season for 2011 wasn't until the end of the year. So oh, yeah, yeah. having that ability to play up at the Chiefs was um, was, was something that were, was, was possible. So, so I took that. And then how did you find that environment? It was actually a real breath of fresh air. Um, it was nice to get away from, uh, even though you know Red and Black and Canterbury and the Crusaders is, is, is close to my heart, it was actually quite nice to, to remove myself from that sort of Christchurch, mm. South Island environment and take myself out of that and put myself up in, um, up in the North Island for a change because yeah. I hadn't really experienced the North Island at all. Um, and obviously being um, a Māori boy, Growing up in the South Island, we never really got exposed to a lot of Maori culture and stuff yeah. like that. So, um, being at the Chiefs, it was, it was like I said, a real revelation. And you know, obviously, there was a different, different sort of culture and a different environment, a different fan base. You know, it was, um, it was yeah. quite a, a lot of more brown faces around, and yeah. it was, it was quite cool to be around. And so, um, I, I do hold um, my time at Canterbury and Crusaders really dear to my heart. But you know, equally as um, with the Highlanders and the Chiefs. You know, it's, it's pretty special experiences. Yeah, awesome. And then um, the move to NTT. Yeah. In Japan, how was that? Yeah. So initially, I actually, um, I actually got offered two, two different places, and one was uh, NTT, and the other one was at Coke. Coca Cola, yeah, Coca-Cola Red, Sparks. Red Sparks with yourself. <laughs> yeah, where you um, spent some years. Um, it was actually with um, uh, Timmy Bateman. So Timmy oh, yeah, Bateman yeah, actually yeah. got me. The first um, sort of foot in the door with the Japan uh, uh, Coca Cola, and I got there, and um, so I came to Japan with two co- contract offers, and we first went to Coca Cola, seen met Timmy, and and saw Coca Cola, and they was like they're saying all the right things, and you know put me up in the five star hotel in Hilton <laughs> and yeah. and stuff like that. I was like you know Japan is is unreal, and they took us to the accommodation, and I couldn't even walk into the door, I couldn't hardly fit yeah. into the bathroom. Um, the shower was hitting me in the belly button. <laughs> My wife was like sort of welling up with tears. It's like, is this what Japan's like? Yeah. And I was just like, you know, you know this is an opportunity we could really enjoy ourselves. Did here. you have kids at this stage? We had two kids two at kids. the time. How yeah. old were they? So they were just, uh, they were three and one. Oh, okay. They were three and one at the time. So we still, we still had a young family and the, and the accommodation was quite small. So we were just like, oh, how are the kids going to survive in here? You know, because they were quite rough as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. And then we went up to NTT Communications, which was based just out of um, Tokyo City and Tokyo Bay there beside Disneyland. Oh, yeah. And uh, the accommodation that they have there is, is basically built in, on reclaimed land, and it was, it was uh, created an environment in a residential area that was sort of Americanized. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Big wide streets and big wide footpaths, and, you know, the, the accommodation of the apartments were, like, nice and big, big open, no beer, but open bay windows overseeing the bay and overseeing yeah. the water and we're just like sorry Timmy but this is this, is, <laughs> this sort of outweighs uh, our friendship here um, so yeah we um, on that note we just purely because of the off field stuff yeah um, we committed to NTT uh, communications shining arcs and and um, we spent yeah you obviously loved to, it there we did we did we obviously spent close to a decade there and yeah. you know, we had the two kids there when we when we went and we had more boys um, born in Japan as well so yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, we basically just in completely engrossed ourselves and immersed ourselves in, in Japanese life and culture and, and language and whatnot so how did your uh, family enjoy it um, like I said like because uh, with uh, me and my wife obviously we lived in um, she moved from from school to Wellington and then I moved from school to Christchurch and I was obviously at boarding school yeah um, and then we lived in Christchurch by ourselves, and then we lived in Hamilton by ourselves, and we lived, then we lived overseas by ourselves. Moving overseas and, and not having to rely on, on family or friends or anything like that, it was it's actually a really easy transition. Yeah. Um, also because everyone's in the same boat when you go overseas with yeah. the foreigners. Yeah. You know, you've only got each other. Yeah. You don't have your family and and whatnot to to rely on. So everyone sort of leaned on each other and and you know helped out where they could and, and stuff like that. So. It was quite a, it's quite an easy lifestyle to live as well. Yeah. Um, obviously, the games over there is very semi, sort of semi-professional. Um, you're at home a lot more than when you were in New Zealand. I mean, I remember that 2009 year, out of like 52 weeks, I think I was away for like 29 of them. Oh, true. Sort of thing. So, and it was just an opportunity to, to go over there and just enjoy the kids. Yeah. Um, enjoy the family time and, 
yeah experience a, a whole different culture and a whole different way of living mm. and you know we um obviously just with the seasons and whatnot it was you know just a small seasons and then we had an off season that we could really just relax as a family and, and have a decent chunk yeah and that's part of the reason why we went to japan as well as obviously geographically close to new zealand that we could just go up and down if we needed to yeah and um yeah were you ever tempted to go to the uk or anywhere like that uh so the uk was uh, you obviously look at the cookie cutter form of of a lock in the uk like i just didn't sit that i just didn't suit their mold yeah um so that that wasn't in terms of the on-field side of things that just wasn't what i was looking yeah, for as a player yeah um and obviously talking with various various guys who are in japan they were just like look man we only train this amount of yeah. this, for this amount of time um you know we we have three or four months off season well the uk get three or four weeks you yeah. know we're only playing like 12 to 15 games a year they're playing 35 games a year yeah, and i was yeah. just like holy smokes and then like all that sort of stuff started to compound up and then they're like you know Japan suits your game. It's nice and fast and skilled and high yeah. tempoed and this and that. And I was just like, you know what, this is me. You yeah, know? yeah. It's just sort of just all started to align together and and um, yeah, like I said, we've we've never looked back. We moved when we were quite young, so I was twenty six when we left. Um, yeah, left the game here in New Zealand, and you know, yeah, we've never looked back and uh, enjoyed every moment. And how did you find the rugby? Because rugby's obviously grown quite a lot in Japan, especially in the last few years. How have you seen that growth of rugby? I think I've seen probably the most growth. Um, throughout the Japan rugby system is with their domestic players. Yeah. Um, the domestic players. So when you play in Japan, it's, it's you've got a certain amount of foreigners on the field. Yeah. But the majority of the field is made up of Japanese. Yeah. And what separates the good teams from the great teams is the Japanese players. I mean, like you could have the likes of the Dan Carters, the Richard McCaws, the Kieran Reeds, but those are the only three players that you got on the field. You've yeah. got to deal with. 12 other guys that are going to fill these holes and if those 12 guys are mud you can't do anything you can't do much about it so i think i've seen like particularly with the exposure of like you know the success of the 2015 world cup with eddie jones and you know the success of of, of those types of guys and then bringing that sort of experience and knowledge through and then obviously with the exposure with the sun wolves to super rugby and and obviously the success of like what happened last year with um japan team as well so you can see the, the growth and development of the domestic players um, has been probably been the biggest change. Yeah. Um, also, like, there's a lot more bigger names coming to, to Japan. Yeah. Um, a lot of them were just coming in and cashing in and, and all coming at the end of their retirement years, but you see a lot of them coming in their prime yeah. now and, and, and staying for a little bit longer than just a sabbatical, yeah. um, which is good, and it's good for the game, and, and um, yeah, it's been great. So was your time in Japan just up, or had you... Yeah. How did you, how did your Japan Yeah, so um end? to be fair, like, you know, I'm I'm thirty six in a few days, so you know, I we always um, referred to ourselves when we turned thirty that we were we were punching the bonus round. So yeah, yeah. every year was basically, you know, a gift for us. So, you know, we were always waiting for that contract <laughs> year to be like, Hey look guys, uh this is it. Six years and of good years. Yeah. So um yeah, so they they obviously just worked it out over the over the last sort of five or six years and that this is this is the contract and we just sort of just accepted and whatnot. So but then obviously we sort of come to a time that it was just like, Hey look, you know, the club's going in a different direction. We're gonna go with um these these cat members now. So yeah. which was fine, you know, that's that's just the evolution of rugby, particularly in Japan and, and that's how the game goes. So we accepted that fact and, you know, um we're very grateful for our our opportunity and our tenure in Japan, and you know we're just looking forward to the to the new adventure. Yeah. So what is the new adventure? The new adventure. Talk to me. Uh, well, immediate adventure is in uh, in Nelson, yeah, in, yeah. in Tasman. But your family's not here with but you. But the are family's they? not here. Yeah. So um, obviously had that opportunity to come here during this transition period for us. Um, so fortunate for my wife to say, look, go down to Nelson, go to Tasman. Get back in the game because I haven't played a game of rugby since this, you know, since February sort of thing. So we haven't been involved with rugby. For True. So going from nothing for like ten months into the next adventure is just like, oh god, it's a bit daunting. So this opportunity has been fantastic, not only just for the rugby side of things, but just for the the mental side of things. Just getting myself yeah back into the rugby side of things. So yeah, so the family is still in Japan. Um, so I'm only here for the campaign here in uh, at Tasman, and then after that we'll go back to Japan for for. For a couple of months, and then uh, at the early next year, we we head to to Austin, Texas. Austin, Austin, Texas, and the MLR there. So, 
it's an exciting opportunity for us, um, not only just for for our family, but obviously for the for the club and whatnot. So it's a and that's as a player. That's that's uh, initially as a as a player coach. Oh, okay. Um, as a player coach opportunity. So um, obviously the, the first job is to be a player. Yeah. Um. So the requirements is to be a player, but um, you know the coaching side of things is is an opportunity that we're presented with. So, and that's something that you know I didn't really. It was never my intentions to be a, be on Mont or for to be a coach. Yeah. You know, I just was happy just to be a player. But you know, the longer, as you know, the older you get, the sort of <laughs> the more knowledge you sort of intake, and then uh, you want to bestow upon others. So it's um it's been quite nice over the last sort of couple of years, sort of mentoring and and, yeah. and, and handing on knowledge and and stuff to the next generation. So that's it was sort of an indication. But like, hey, look, you know, this is actually quite cool, and this is something that I could really get into. And yeah, you know. Um, it's an opportunity for us to do that and uh, hopefully transition from uh, from the player coach side of things into into the coaching side of things. So you see it as a long term, definitely, yeah. definitely, yeah. So because um, we've been overseas for so long, like I said, we've been in Japan for mm. you know, nearly a decade. So um, we're looking forward to, to staying overseas while we while we're still overseas, sort of thing. Yeah, so that understands. So yeah, um, you know, we initially want to be there for the two years for the thing but we have a, a more of a long-term goal um, to stay overseas particularly in uh, in america or um, wherever that may be to be fair yeah. but you know initially we want to make this competition because we believe that the mlr is going to be is a bit of a sleeping giant yeah. it's like a bit of a beast that um if uh, it starts to see some real growth we're going to see some real opportunities for some like decent players and some yeah. decent footy to be played and, and to be a real competitive market for for the international big Big, big giants of that. So you think that's going to happen? You think it's I do, really I really do. Off? I mean, like, but even if it doesn't, you know, like we're we're happy to, to grow the game in Japan and not in Japan in America. Yeah. Like we're um we're pretty um pretty ample at the fact that you know rugby's still quite in its infancy stage in, in America, so yeah. it's still um like it's been there for a while. Like, but uh, like statistically, you know, it's the it's the fastest growing team sport in, in America and, you know, people are showing a lot more interest in it, particularly now the um the rugby sevens side mm, of things yeah. became an Olympic sport. Yeah. So once that it became an Olympic sport, people are just like, oh, what's this sport sort yeah, of thing? Yeah, so yeah. obviously they've got like in America if it, if, it, if the sport becomes an Olympic sport, they've actually got an obligation to broadcast it. So it's seen more on T V but the sevens side of things. So yeah. but there's more and more people playing rugby in America and, you know, that's that's something that we could Really enhance. It's exciting times, eh? It is. It is. So yeah, that's the next adventure, and you know that could take us for the next ten years, sort of thing. So, but that's uh, that's the life that we've chosen, and you yeah. know, we're pretty excited about it. And the kids must love it. They must love being in different countries. They do. They do. I mean, they're sort of like expat kids, but at the moment, so it's uh, like we've been pretty blessed living in Japan and New Zealand, having that ability to obviously we get those off seasons for a couple of months, so we have the first two terms. Um, living and schooling in New Zealand down yeah. in Monaco, so yeah. um, and then they have the rest of the year in, in Japan. So they've lived the lived the life of the of, uh, the best of both worlds, mm. sort of thing. So, but um, obviously moving to America, we'll, we'll probably look to a more of a, a long term sort of thing initially, yeah. Yeah. particularly with what's going on with with COVID and, and stuff like that, and the international travel sort of thing. Yeah, to put a stake in the ground for a little bit longer, and yeah, I think it's going to be easier transition to going to an English speaking country than. Starting again to a for sure. How good! Well, as always, we have gone to our questions, the Instagram for some questions actually. And as always, when I get a big star on like yourself, oh no, we get a lot in. This one's actually from one of the your Tasman teammates, Tyner. What made you want to go to Japan at that point in your Super Rugby career? Yeah, so as I alluded to during the um, during the podcast, is that you know I. Had quite a quick rise to, I suppose, in New Zealand probably stardom, you know, being uh, being an All Black at such a young age, and then the crash of getting not selected and yeah. then not selected for the All Blacks, and then sort of having a slump in Super Rugby in 2010, and then it was just like I felt mentally I was going on a downward spiral. Yeah, um, you know, things started to not go my way, and you know, I was probably a bit young to sort of handle it. Yeah, and and whatnot. So you know. As a family, you know, we we just decided that you know probably taking ourselves away from um, this life in New Zealand and just choke over and, and experience something different, mm-hmm. something new, um, and particularly because we were, you know, just a young family, we could we could do that and get away. 
Um, and yeah, that was basically the reason yeah. why. And obviously, you know, you can only play rugby um, or sport in general for, for a small amount of, amount of time. So we were just like, let's just let's just go and do it, see how it goes. And yeah, a decade, ten, ye- ten years later. of massive yen, and <laughs> <laughs> you're sorted. And then yeah, we're sorted. So yeah, that was basically the main reason. But you know, and, and because I left so young, never looked back. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's been an opportunity that we'll always cherish. Very cool. Um, another serious one. Um, if you could go back, what would you tell a young Isaac Ross about the pitfalls of being a pro? Um, probably my biggest one would probably be nutrition. Oh, yeah. Biggest one. I mean, like, because I boarding school for five years and then I, I basically got my meals handed to me. Yeah. Thing, and then I got chucked out in the big wide world of, of flatting. You know, I didn't have a mother to, to show me how to cook and yeah and stuff like that you know, growing up throughout high school and stuff like that. But so when I left high school, uh, high school, I went to thing, I blew out like... Did you? Like 20 kgs sort of thing. Wow. That's like I was like a... <laughs> had the VIP sticker on my cart at uh, Burger King. <laughs> so they were just like, oh, Isaac, just the usual. I was like, yep, that's me. <laughs> Two double whopper me. <laughs> Yeah, so probably probably a nutritional side of things would would be my biggest. Yeah, um, I always see you as a skinny guy, skinny tall bloke. But oh you, yeah, you yeah, I, I was like. always a skinny type, but then I had this pot gut, <laughs> but as well. So that was probably the thing, and, and probably punctuality has always been my pitfall as well. Oh, has it? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's even to now. I'm, I'm like, a st- it's a still a work on. You know, <laughs> always a students of life. So fifteen just years uh, later. Yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, if in doubt, be punctual. <laughs> if in doubt, be punctual. Oh, good advice. Uh, favourite player you played with? Uh, favourite player I played with? Um, probably, oh, shivers. I played with the greats, you know. Mm. So, but however, like, um, for me personally, um, growing up in that sort of super rugby side of things, I would have probably have to say Brad, to Brad Thorne to be oh, playing yeah. with. Yeah, yeah. Um, Purely because, you know, he was my locking partner, you know, like we were basically yin and yang yeah. in terms of our style of play. Yeah. So he complimented my game, he comp- I complimented his you know, game, stuff like that. So, And we worked really well together. And, and just to learn off him off-field as well, how he like preserved himself, how he treated himself off the field and, you know, how just not, not just like the professional side of things, but just the balance of life with family and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, that was something that I sort of really respected. And whatnot. So he was actually my first roommate. Oh, was he? And um, when I was, you know, oh, another roommate like, story. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> he was actually my first roommate, and then like we got there, and it was like a preseason for Canterbury versus Otago. And I was lying there, and we were watching the rugby league, and this was in two thousand and four, and he just got back from oh, the Broncos true. and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And I was like watching the league. I had no. I was sort of a league follower, but not really. Yeah. And he goes, "Do you like league, mate?" <laughs> and I was like, "I was like." I've got to say yes or else he's going to eat me or something. I was like, yeah, 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 I love it, I love it, I love it. And he goes, good. <laughs> and that was it. And I was like, that was our like two-sentence conversation for the whole whole trip away. You but, impressed uh, him. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, he would probably have to be one of the ones that I I've, I found that I enjoyed my time with him. Another good Marco Locke he was too. Oh, really? You did play for the Marco. Oh, there yeah. you go. Oh, I'm <laughs> I might go back to league myself. <laughs> okay. This one is from Karen Fonatier. Have you ever got in an ambulance for a court <laughs> fight during a club rugby game? <laughs> Who would have been playing in that game? Oh, man. I actually, yeah. You have, have So you? I have, I have. I actually, it was just for a New Brighton game. I was just uh, playing Christchurch club footy. And this dude, because obviously when you when you play sort of I, um, like the provincial side of things or super rugby sort of things, yeah, you know the club footy guys when you come back to club footy they want to take you out. Yeah, they, yeah that's yeah. their that's their one job when they get in the aftermatch after the years of having their after bed. I took out Isaac Ross or yeah. I took out James Marsh. I took out Dan Carter sort of things. And um, this one dude flew at my at my um, at my at my shin. And actually, I thought I snapped my leg. I honestly thought I snapped my leg. And I, was, I had it in my hand. I was like, oh, my God, I've just broken my leg. Anyway, the game completely stops. Um, yeah. The St. John's ambulance, bless them, you know, volunteers of the game, <laughs> come onto the field, and they actually have to move the whole game to the next field across for me. Wow. And obviously, they get me off the field, and obviously the whole game goes over there, and they start continuing to play. And I get taken away in the ambulance, taken off to hospital. 
And then all of a sudden they check me out and I start walking around and as soon as they get to the hospital they're like, are you alright? And I was like, I'm actually not too bad actually now. So, and then I go down to the riding club rooms at the end of the day getting on the bed. It's like, weren't you like carried away in an ambulance like two hours ago? And then I was like on the field the very next weekend against the next team and they're like, didn't you just get carried away in an ambulance like last week? It's a miracle. Must have been those fish sammies at new riding club rooms. <laughs> Oh, that's a classic. She is funny. Funny, loves it. Um, you are known as the King of Rapongi. Please explain how you earned this title. King of Rapongi? Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't say the King of Rapongi, that's for sure. It's uh, Rapongi is, if, if, if everyone knows what it is, it's, um, it's just a, a nightlife area in, uh, in Tokyo. So it's I wouldn't say it's the King of Rapongi, but definitely the King of Karaoke in Rapongi, that's oh, for sure. Yeah. It's a um, just a popular spot where basically all the... Because a lot of teams based in Tokyo, yeah. So it's a sort of like a central sort of a, a place where all the lads sort of meet up and whatnot. But I suppose you, you call the king somebody that's been around there for so long. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's just a just a more a familiar face. But obviously, in the later years, when you get a bit older and whatnot, you sort of stay a bit more closer to home. <laughs> like it's a bit more it's safe. A bit harder, eh? Speaking of karaoke, this is a good one. What is your go-to karaoke song? So you're obviously pretty pretty. <laughs> Good on the karaoke, yeah. Uh, uh, look, uh, in a short answer, yes. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm very good. laughs> What's this mic? Are these mics set up? Is this a proper acoustic environment to request this from me? <laughs> but um, no, I just enjoy. I just enjoy it. To be fair, like yeah. I've always been around a, a, a musical family and whatnot. Um, so you know, going to. Going to Japan was, was, was the perfect fit, really. And it, like, I don't really have go tos, but um, I like to read the crowd yeah. and just um, sort of <laughs> establish and make a sense of my environment and what sort of the age range <laughs> we're, we're going at and stuff like that. But you know, I usually get the, the party going with some more of older numbers, and yeah. not the, the Elton Johns, the Lionel Richies, oh. um, things like that. So, toe tappers that, uh, that everyone knows. You don't want to pull out a song that it's like, who is this guy? It's like, get him off. Cut his mic off. It's like, I'm pretty sure he bought that microphone from home as well. It's gold. Why is it gold with glitter on it? You did it, did you? No. <laughs> but I do have one at home. <laughs> what a karaoke setup. I've got mics. Have you? <laughs> no, it's nothing, nothing like um, like the old Ricky Flutie styles, but no, it's, it's, um, it's pretty good. <laughs> That's classic. And is it true you were on the Aaron Simpson show? Yes, the Aaron Simpson show. So that was um, again sort of like a, you know, we have player development. You know, when you want. Yeah, to, yeah. Um, was that in New Zealand? That was in New Zealand. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, player development stuff. So that was uh, moving on from what did you wanted to do outside of rugby sort yeah. of thing, and you know, because I liked it, like I said, I wanted to be a teacher and stuff like that. I actually and. The longer I was at the rugby sort of side of things, you know, I like to work with the kids. Yeah. Like that. So that was an opportunity to say, hey, look, um, if you want to work on um, in the TV side of things, you know, what now is, is doing this and that. And I was like, oh, yeah, sweet. So I went down to the what now. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Is remember the what now still on? Still going. Yeah, yeah. So what now was um, a thing. It's it's filmed in Christchurch. So the studio's down in Christchurch. That's um, Jason Gunn's um, thing down there. So... Um, hang out down there for a little bit, just um, on the studio and whatnot. And they're like, "Oh, what are you?" Doing? And I said, "Oh, I play rugby." So they're like, oh, "We've actually got a new show coming up um, called the Aaron Simpson Show. It's more for the sort of preteen, early teenagers, um, covering different sports, uh, different types of um, topics, such as like sport and fashion and music and rara. Yep. Would you be interested in, you know, auditioning for the sports reporting role?" And um, I was like, "Oh yeah." So it just went around and just. Um, interviewed a whole heap of young sporting talent and you know up and coming that aren't known or ones that are known now things like that so yeah. it was a real different wee world but it was quite cool because like you know I play the game on Saturday for the Crusaders and then I'll be on the plane very next morning up to Tauranga or something like that just to go and interview some some oh, really? that was oh sure was coming up yeah like Palmas went to Palmas North and interviewed um, Levi Shewitt I don't know if you remember yeah him, yeah the yeah motocross rider yeah. And, now he's the bloody world better of film on the global scene. Yeah. So various things like that. So it was quite cool um, working with that sort of things, just to take myself away from rugby and yeah. have that balance of of rugby and then obviously that sort of side of things and family as well. So yeah. it's quite cool. Is it something you'd still want to do? Um, I suppose being like you know early 30s, mid 30s, 
the old kids TV is but it's like man why is he always wearing a hat is it to cover his greys <laughs> like, he doesn't have a lot of facial hair but he's got so many wrinkles <laughs> but um, yeah it's, I mean it's something to be always like I, I like to be involved with it whether it's um, on the TV or just you know helping out with kids and stuff like that I'm, I'm pretty um, passionate wiggle. about that yeah well that was always a, a thing though. and then um, Robbie Rockety got the old the, the brown wriggle and it was just like, like well, I can't be that one now I've got to be like the Japanese one I was like oh no, that's Jeff <laughs> so um, no, nah, it's all good man like it's um, it's all harmless and people are like oh well, it's a really tough regular player but it's just a different persona and stuff like that that I, I enjoy so yeah it's been quite cool it's you being you eh me being me but how good well, that probably wraps up the podcast there. Um, really enjoyed hearing your story. Um, obviously, only sort of got to know you over the last couple of weeks, but you've been an absolute lad coming into the Tasman environment, made a huge difference to the squad. Um, really looking forward to you finishing off this season with the team and then obviously all the best for your adventures in America with you and your family. So, um, yeah, really appreciate you giving up your time and coming on the show. No, I appreciate that and looking forward to that uh, White Chicks movie. <laughs> <laughs> New home entertainment system in your bedroom. We'll go get that projector <laughs> sorted, eh? <laughs> Legend. Hey, how good.